I'd like to read with you in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. John, chapter 8. We're going to begin at verse 32. John 8 and 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the, sl- is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Or you shall really be free. One of the things we've been looking at this week, for those of you who haven't been here, is one of the things I think that is so great about the good news. What's so good about it? And that is that it is true. And on Sunday, we noticed a few, well, through the week, we've noticed a few of the true things about this news. We've noticed that it's true in the scope of who can be saved. And we learned there that God is not willing that any should perish, Johnny told us. And we were trying to look at 1 Timothy 2, that God wants everyone to be saved. And so that there's nobody here who God does not want, who does not wish to be saved. We looked as well as the truth of the story of the gospel. It focuses on the story of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that it was witnessed and seen, and so the truth about the story. On Monday, we noticed the truth about ourselves, and those words from the Lord Jesus, you must be born again, the truth about ourselves. Last night, we noticed the truth about the scripture, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has eternal life. Tonight, we're just going to look at this passage The truth about freedom. It says twice about being free. We began with those words, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's one of the reasons really that I've been impressing, I've been trying to impress on you the importance of the truth. You know, you have conversations with people, had conversations with people and um, people from different religions. Buddhists will tell me that the man that the religion we follow is older than your religion. For Buddha was born before Jesus Christ. Muslims will tell us that your religion is pretty old. Ours is quite much more recent, much more up to date. And you know, when it comes to these things of time, the ultimate question is, which one's true? Which one's true? And those of you who are in school and are faced with some of these things, this is an important question to consider. And the words of Jesus here are very, very important. It is the truth that will set people free. And then later he says, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And the simple reason for that is, you remember what Jesus said himself, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. I want to break down the opening part of this message into four simple parts. I want to speak to you about the need to be free. Then the way to be free. Then the cost to be free. And finally, the time to be free. 
four simple ways just to look at this, this subject. When it comes to the need to be free, I found it interesting. Actually, today, on, on this date, many years ago, Congress proposed to the United States um, at that time the Bill of Rights. These ten amendments that they would add to their Constitution, and many of them have to do with freedoms that we deserve, freedoms that are our rights. And so we have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of assembly. The very things we're doing today, the, the freedom, the Bill of Rights. And when it comes to freedom, really it's a weird subject to take up in, in this country and in the United States of America. There's no other people who know so much about I'm free. I live in a free country. I am free to make many choices. And yet what the Lord Jesus is teaching here is that we're not free. He's telling these people here that they're actually slaves. They're actually in bondage. And this is what he says. He says, whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. Tonight's message is the truth about sin. Anybody who commits a sin, even if it's just something that's small, according to the words of Christ, that person is a slave of sin. That's an awful thing. You know, many of us think when it comes to sin, we're in control. I've spoken to people who are students, high school students, and some of them would like to be saved someday, maybe when they're on their deathbed, maybe later down in life. They're not really worried about it right now because they think that they can manage whatever sins they're doing, whether it's partying or whatever they're, they're involved in, they can manage it up to now. They think they're in control. The words of Jesus are very pointed. He's saying you're not in control. You don't control sin. You don't decide one day, I'm going to just stop sinning. I am going to be free from sin. I'm in control and I'm going to let it go. You can't let it go. The Bible says that sin controls you. Sin is the master of you. And there are many people and they've tried to let it go. In the, in the place I work, tragically, I meet people all the time. And they try their very hardest to let go of all kinds of addictions. All kinds of awful things. I can tell you, you know, if you saw some of the things I've seen. If you saw people who, who can't sleep with the nightmares they have. With the pain they're going through. Relapsing on an addiction. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's just something in your heart that says, God set them free. We can't set them free. We'll do our best. We'll give them a medication. We'll try to give them a treatment. And a few months later, they're back. And then they're back. You see, we are enslaved to sin. We are bound to sin. And it shows itself in addictions. You all know about that. Addictions to drugs and addictions to alcohol and addictions to all kinds of things. But also people are bound in sin in a in a, in a nice-looking way, they're bound to religion. There's a lot of people bound to religion. And they know that they have a little sinful problem, and so religion seems to offer some kind of a, a remedy. And it has nice robes, and it looks nice, but it keeps people bound. There's things that they can't do, but they want to do. And they want to do them so badly, but they can't do them, that finally when they do them, it becomes so sickening. And you hear about it in the news, many of these religious systems. It's funny because I have, I have family members who were saved from religious systems. You know, when I was saved, the only thing I realized that night was I will never be in hell. That's what I knew. That night, I didn't know, any, I, didn't know I was redeemed. 
I didn't even know I repented that Johnny was telling us about on Sunday. I didn't know any of that, but I knew I will never be in hell. You know, I was talking to some people from these religious systems. You know what they say? When I was saved, I was free. I was free. No longer the shackles of religion that tell me to do this so I can be right with God and I could never do it. I was free, free from the bondage of that sin. Some people, maybe some people in this meeting have a burdened conscience. Maybe it's not a lifetime of sins, but maybe there's just one sin. One sin that you've never been able to shake. One sin that nobody else in this room knows about. One sin that there are times that you wake up and it eats at you. One sin that you long to forget. A burdened conscience. You know, the hymn writer said this. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There is a way to be free. Some people, and this is really common in our culture, when it comes to sin and the bondage of sin, there's also the barrenness of sin. There's many people in their longing for something of purpose and satisfaction. I watched a little YouTube video again today of a man back then. He had won three Super Bowls, Tom Brady. I'm sure you all know who that is. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Tom Brady, three Super Bowls. And uh, he was giving an interview, and um, I, I think it was on 60 Minutes or something like that. And then one point of that interview, he says this. I've won three Super Bowls. He's married to a supermodel, I believe. Um, he has a big house, a couple houses, a few cars. And he tells the interviewer this. It just seems like there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. And he says, I know you laugh at that. And I know you wonder. You won three Super Bowls. What more could you do? Tom Brady could walk into any place in Livonia, Detroit, and get a huge audience just because of who he is. What more could he do? And yet he says there's something. There has to be something more. You know, the, the Lord Jesus came to set people free from the barrenness of sin. Sin will offer people a seemingly good life. It will offer them uh, the, the glitter and the glamour of a, of a passing world. But then when they try it, it will leave them empty. It will leave them broken. It will leave them longing for more. And that's why there was a woman actually in this same gospel. And she comes to Jesus and she had tried, literally, the broken cisterns. <laughs> and she came to the Lord Jesus, and he said, there's water. And if you drink of the water that I'm giving you, you will never thirst again. And so the need to be free, everyone in this meeting, I want to ask you tonight, have you been free? Have you been set free? Do you have a day in your life when you were independent, where you were no longer enslaved to sin? You know, I've talked to people, and they tell me that I've always been a Christian. In the hospital I work at, I sometimes meet people who say they're Christians, and I right away ask them, when did you become a Christian? I'm a Christian too. And many people have told me, well, my father was a Lutheran. My mother was a Baptist. I was baptized at the age of two. I'm a Christian. My children are Christians. That's No, a person is a Christian the moment they are set free by the Son. The Son is the only one who can set people free. Not baptism, not church, not Christian parents. Only the Son. And so all of us are in this great need to be set free. But how is a person free? The first thing I want you to notice is you cannot set yourself free. 
You cannot free yourself. I remember a Sunday school illustration when I was uh, just a little kid. And the teacher put a rope around a boy and just asked him to get out of it. And he quite easily just took it off. And he did it a few times. And then eventually, he took that very, very um, thin thread and he wrapped it around that boy many times. It seemed like a hundred times. And then he said, go ahead and break it. It wasn't a little boy, actually. He was quite strong, and he was trying to break it off, and he couldn't. It was just a thin thread, but as it got its way around over and over and over and over and over, he couldn't set himself free. And he was really trying, and his face was turning red, and he was feeling kind of embarrassed. He couldn't set himself free. You know, when it comes to sin, you can't set yourself free. That's why the Bible says we are helpless. We are without strength. We cannot free ourselves. No other man can set us free. No preacher, no religion. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can offer. Our hands are tied, as it were. We cannot set ourselves free. And that's why the Lord Jesus says, if the Son shall set you free, you'll really be free. If it's the Son who sets you free, you'll truly enjoy freedom. And so the only person who can set us free, the only way to freedom is through the Son, through the truth. The cost to be free. You know, it's in a very, it sounds very American, very cavalier, but I, you know, you've seen the bumper sticker. Freedom ain't free. Freedom ain't free. And you know, when it comes to this story of the gospel, how true. To set people free. You know, that's why the Lord Jesus came when he was just beginning his time here on earth. As far as his teaching time, he told them he read he read a portion of of the Old Testament. And in that portion, it said that the person who would come himself would come to set the captives free. And then he told them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. That's why he came. He came to set bound people free. And yet it would be a very costly thing. You see, being enslaved to sin, sin is like our, our boss at work. And being enslaved to sin is a very cruel thing. The Bible actually says in Romans chapter 6 that sin is, is like a boss and sin pays wages. Sin gives you income. And at the end of that chapter, it says this, the wages of sin is death. That's what sin pays. Now, any of you who work um, for an employer and you get a check, you know one thing. You're entitled to that check. That's, <laughs> that's the one right you have. And if you're not getting your check and if you're not getting your wage, there's going to be a phone call made to whoever. That's what you've earned. That's what you deserve. No one's going to take that from you. No one's allowed to. That's your right. And it's the same thing here. You deserve death for sin. Sin has paid the wage. The wages of sin is death. And so how can Jesus Christ, how can God's son set people free who are enslaved to sin? There's only one way. He'll have to take their wage. And so they took the Lord Jesus outside of the city. They nailed him to a cross. His face was covered with spittle. There was a crown of thorns on his head. And on the cross, I was actually reading today 
and the letter to Philemon. And Paul tells Philemon he was a master. And Philemon had a slave who ran away. And Paul tells Philemon, now Philemon, if that boy owes you anything, if there's something that he still owes you, if there's something left to pay, you charge that to me. And I just thought of the day when outside the city of Jerusalem went God's only son. And it was like he looked up to heaven. And he said, of all that those people, of all their sin, all their wages, he said, you charge that to me. And God did. God held him accountable for our sin. God made him answerable for our sin. Christ died for our sin. And on the cross, as he's hanging there, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me? It's because God was treating him on the cross just like our sin. And God had to turn away from Christ, turn away from sin. He had treated him just like sin. He punished him. And at the end, at the end, after the, the full payment was being made, you know what the Lord Jesus said? He said, it is finished. It's all done. It was a strange cry. I, I must have, th- I think, to hear a, at, at a cross, to hear on Golgotha. Many people have died on Golgotha. Many criminals were hung there. That must have been a strange thing after six hours of suffering. To hear a man who was so beaten and bleeding all of a sudden lift up his voice in a loud, victorious cry and say, it's all finished. It's all done. What was done? He had paid the price for sin. It was paid in full. God proved that the price had been paid. When after Jesus died, God raised his son from the dead. And when God raised his son from the dead, God was saying, the payment is accepted. And when God, and not only has God accepted the payment, but he has written it down. And this is like a receipt from God, the Bible. It's like a receipt from God that it actually is all done. I remember the very first job I had when I was in high school. I worked at McDonald's. I wasn't loving it. <laughs> but I worked there anyways. And um, I remember somebody, you know, they do this, um, I forget what you call it now, but pay it back. You know, so they, they pay for the person behind them. And so somebody did that. Only one person. I didn't work in a very good part of the, the neighborhood. But they, they paid for the person behind them. And I remember this young man coming up to the window there. And all I did was I handed him the receipt. And I told him, uh, whoever that was, I don't know if you know them, but they paid for your meal. Now, this was way before that became very, very popular. This was years ago. And so he just looked at the receipt. And he looked over at me. And he was wondering if something was going on. And I was just like, no, seriously, it's, it's all yours. And, uh, well, he said, man, I wish I ordered more. <laughs> but anyway, what, what, what he had at that moment was whatever he had ordered, whatever he had wanted, whatever he owed me, actually the corporation, it was already paid, all done. And he took the receipt. He went up to the next window. And you know what he got? He got his food. 
He could have sat there and looked at it and said, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. That's not for me. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, I don't think that's mine. Oh, that's your order there. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's the date there. Yeah. And he could have argued with me back and forth. It wouldn't have changed anything. That's what I want you to understand in some of these meetings. Believing it doesn't change it. It's true. It's true. And that's why we believe it. We don't believe it to make it true. It's true. And so we believe it. There's a phrase that sometimes we say, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I hope you don't believe that. God says it. That settles it. I believe it. It's already settled. Christ has said it is finished. There is nothing that you are going to do in this meeting that is going to somehow change what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. What he did, he did. And at the, at the end of his suffering, he said, it's finished. Our responsibility is to turn from our sin, to be done with the slave master who has left us ruined and shameful, and turn to the open arms of Christ and says, I believe it. I believe it. It's all done. And so the way to be free, the cost. You know what cost God his only son? I, I was actually touched when I read this here in John 8. If the son shall make you free. He doesn't say if I or if Christ. He says the son. You know, to set human beings free. We're very small here in this little planet called Earth. To set us free, God had to give His only Son. You say, why would God do something like that? I can understand what you've been preaching so far. I can understand that I need to be free, that I, have a, that I am bound to sin. I can understand that I can't free myself. And I see what you're saying, that the Son can set me free. But my question is, why would God ever send his son? My only answer is the words behind me. It's because God so loved the world. And so he gave his only son. That whosoever believeth in him. Should not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to notice here that we have read that word again in verse 34. Whosoever commits sin is the slave of sin. And John 3.16 says this, Whosoever believeth on him will not perish, will be free. Both the same word. You could take it in tonight. You could take it in that that's for me. I'm free. And I'll just close with this. The time to be free. You know, the Bible says that now is the accepted time. The Bible says that this is a passing opportunity. The Lord Jesus is soon going to return to this earth, return to the air. And everyone who has been set free will be set free finally from sin. Not just from its penalty. That's what we were set free from when we were saved. The penalty of sin. Romans chapter 6 tells us that we were also set free from its power. We no longer have to do what sin tells us to do. Now we have a choice. Now we have power in our lives. Now we can actually live for God. But one day, every person here who's saved will be set free from the very presence of sin. No more sin. If Jesus Christ were to return tonight, and He's coming for everyone who's been set free, would you go? 
Would you go? If the Son shall make you free, you'll really be free.